0: Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders, Driving, Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and today we're joined by Dale Myros. I am the founder and CEO of Metcalf and Associates. I'm an executive advisor, a speaker, a coach, and the author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also on faculty at universities in the US and Germany. Today, our featured guest is Dr. Dale Myros. Dr. Myros is a retired Air Force Major General and the first president-appointed U.S. Senate-confirmed CIO of the U.S. Intelligence Community. With over four decades of military, government, industry, and academic experience, this internationally recognized technology thought leader offers practical advice for CIOs, leaders, and the organizations they run in navigating the 21st century digital world. Dr. Meyer-Rose is an internationally respected subject matter expert on leadership, strategic planning, cybersecurity, e-health and IT, and intelligence in military matters. He is also a strategic partner of Metcalf and Associates. The goal of the show, as the creator of the Innovative Leadership Series, what I really wanted to do is create a platform for leaders to visit to update or innovate how they lead, basically stemming the depreciation that we all experience over time if we're not updating both our leadership skills and our org skills. So my intent is to provide thought leaders and executives for our listeners that will expose you to things that you may not be have the time to become expert in, hence someone like Dale, who is an expert in cybersecurity and board work. And my goal is for everyone to walk away with something that they can try within the next week. So my invitation is pick something from either Dale or myself that we're talking about that you can put into practice and see next week if it's working for you. So the outcome of today's show is to help board leaders better understand the nature of their roles and how they're changing. We offer also offer an innovative way to think about how we use SWOT analysis and specifically as it applies to cybersecurity and leadership. And we'll also talk about how Dale has navigated a decorated career by continuing to reinvent himself. So Dale, welcome. Well they, thank you
2: very much for having me.
0: So let's start with board, board roles. How do you see the role of board member as you are on boards now and expanding that
2: offering within your own business? Sure. The uh, The thing that I find kind of interesting is is that the conversation quickly, quickly gets convoluted. And the reason is, is when you state the question, like you said, most people talk about responsibilities. A role is different than a responsibility. And I've kind of bundled it down to three basic roles. The first is is the corporate conscience.
0: So what's a corporate conscience? Okay. Uh, we might say that some corporations don't seem to demonstrate <laughs> big conscience. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah that, that's true. It, it is, uh, and, and, and I see this as, as something that's changed over the, over the last few years. And wh- what I mean by that is, is that uh, organizations are expected to be community partners, they're expected to be protectors of the environment. They're, they are expected, uh, by law, uh, who they hire, how they hire, how they treat their people, and all those uh, types of things. And so, so uh, from a strategic point of view, being that core uh, corporate conscience, are we doing the right thing for the right reason at the right time? Asking those kinds of questions and demanding the accountability of the people within the organization.
0: So that seems to tie back to uh, the idea of conscious capitalism mm-hmm. that my job is still very much to make money. Right. And also to do it in a way that is more
2: principled. Yeah. Do it in the, in, in the right way. You know, a right way and a wrong way to make money. An ethical way and an unethical series of ways uh, mm-hmm. to make money. So that's what I mean by uh, corporate consciousness. And again, we're talking about role. We're not talking about responsibilities, and I think I think that nuance is important for us to understand uh, from a macro picture.
0: So the responsibility to execute still belongs to the CEO and the
2: Ab- absolutely and the corporate uh, offices. Sure.
0: Okay. So you said there were three.
2: Yeah. What's yeah. The the, the second one is the guardian of the corporation's well being.
0: So again, what? How do I guard the corporation's well being?
2: Okay. Well, as we know, much of business is is. Uh, dictated by quarterly earnings reports Uh or annual earnings report or quarterly filings or, you know, several milestones that various sectors, corporations have uh, uh, for for doing things. And oftentimes, as we know, it's kind of an axiom of business of you're only as good as your last quarterly earnings report.
0: Uh Uh Uh,
2: But I think over the course of the last decade, global recession, cycles you know, you know, through, through various uh, uh, countries and their economies and, and those, those kinds of things, uh, that more and more there's a realization that says that, that we need to keep the corporation uh, survivable, productive, profitable, and changing in order to stay, keep relevancy. And so that's what I mean when I talk about corporate well-being.
0: So, so that encompasses the setting the strategy, right. ensuring that I'm looking out whatever my planning horizon is, sure. five sure. years, 10 years, 25 sure. years, and also executing quarterly
2: mm-hmm. to deliver earnings. Uh, for instance, our quarterly stra- strategy might be market penetration. So we are willing for the next six months for capital uh, investment, investment, Elements that reduce uh, quarterly earning profits and things like that, mm-hmm. we're going to accept those with the idea that we'll be in a different, better place with a better growth trajectory at some point in time. That's the corporate well-being through the cycles of, of mm-hmm. uh, the ups and downs of, of relevant economies, the market sector. uh Uh, corporate transition of leadership or uh, succession Mm -hmm. planning, all of those kinds of things. So that's what I mean by the guardian of the corporation's well-being. Cool. So then what's the third? Okay, the third is stockholder advocate. Now, if you're a publicly traded company, that's Mm self-evident. But there are nonprofits and and private corporations that are, that are, are not publicly traded. So you can substitute stockholder with stakeholder.
0: Now, when you say stakeholder, is that, again, back to our um, conscious capitalism, are you expanding stakeholders to those beyond uh,
2: financial relationships? I'm, I'm calling a stakeholder anybody who has a vested interest in the performance of the organization. It could be a logistics supply partner. It could it could be a partner, you know, on a particular project. It, it's a very expansive term. Uh, I still like holding to the idea of of stockholder, for because public it's a, companies. yeah for public companies because that's the element of ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I I think that the idea is equally applicable with with the element of anybody who's got a stake in the success or failure of a particular organization and they may not have ownership in that organization.
0: So that could range from employees to again, you talk about trading partners. Right. Alliance it, partners it, exactly. in our case.
2: Okay. Or if if you're a private company and you're a service deliver you know, you might even consider your customers stakeholders.
0: In a lot of cases they we are stakeholders in
2: one another's success. That's right. I, I, exactly. And so yeah. oftentimes when, when again, I, I like to get away from this idea of corporate board responsibilities, a list of these responsibilities, which is mm-hmm. often what you hear about, well, what's the function of a corporate board? Mm-hmm. And I talk about roles. Now, all those responsibilities, I believe, fit under these three roles in various combinations and, mm-hmm. and all those kinds of things. Uh, but I think it's important for leadership to understand its function and role uh, because those responsibilities may change. Well and who who implements them does change. Sure. Oh ab- ab- absolutely. In 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 so many levels, whether it's in the whether it's in the senior leadership level or mm-hmm. the, or the element of of how they do people process technology, do capital investments, you know. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they change markets, some some companies change market sectors, or when they diversify, pull in other market sectors that are, you know, different than the market sector that they previously serviced.
0: What I really appreciate about this, and I keep bringing up the idea of conscious <coughs> capitalism, that we really are integrating the role of the bigger stakeholders in addition to stockholders certainly there's a fiduciary responsibility of everyone on the board to deliver returns to the stockholders mm-hmm. and the owners sure a- and yet there are other stakeholders who have also invested in the company yep it may not have ownership right but
2: partnerships as an example trading sure. partners sure. And, and again, you're highlighting why I think it's important for those serious about this to understand that there is a difference between responsibilities and function. Uh-huh. And so so oftentimes, uh, people line up the responsibilities and forget the the outcome desired, the end game, or the reason why those responsibilities are with the corporation. And so if you start with this is the this is the role of the of the corporate entity then those responsibilities will change uh, either mm-hmm. in, in, in specific terms or nature or nuance or in all kinds mm-hmm. of ways as the economy changes, the market sector changes, the corporation changes, the people in the corporation change, the partners change, the stakeholders, and all those other kinds of things. That's why I, I think it's very, very important if you're assuming – you know the role of of, uh, of corporate leadership that you understand that role because you will define what those responsibilities turn out to be. And both of those tend to be documented in the bylaws. F- absolutely. And, uh, uh, and and also many of those responsibilities are also documented in law, whether it's federal law or state law. And some of those responsibilities are documented by industry. Okay. You know, there may be standards in the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. and those are often uh, encoded in HIPAA-type uh, things. There are different standards like SEC standards in the financial industry and, mm-hmm. and, and such. And so, again, elements of responsibilities are sometimes issued and sometimes derived with, re- with regard to, to whatever the corporate leadership does.
0: So, can you give a concrete example of a board on which you've served, where you have
2: implemented these roles? Sure. So, uh, uh, and, and in fact, the one that I have in mind has to do with a nonprofit or- organization, uh-huh. uh, and and it is it is the uh, uh, of the element of it served a certain constituency. And it was a constituency that aged out, Okay. and so the population of people that that were associated with these services, uh, you know, were, were of declining nature. So we had to go back and redefine what services available and are these legitimate things that are a part allowed for by mm-hmm. what our purpose by our bylaws? Mm-hmm. You know, why the foundation was formed, and and so. So we, we worked very hard at staying, one, true to who we are and why we existed. Okay? And so that was very important. And, again, that goes back to being the, the conscience of the corporation, mm-hmm. the, orga- the organization. Uh, and and we ne- we needed to provide services to a broader set of population, the same kinds of services, but with different delivery models, mm-hmm. different value propositions, all those kinds of things, which would ensure the financial relevance and well long-term well-being mm-hmm. of the organi- organization. And then we ended up with new stakeholders. Notice I didn't say stockholders, mm-hmm. but the idea is the same. New stakeholders that then we had to make sure that they understood how we advocated for them so that they remained loyal so that so that they knew what their responsibilities were mm-hmm. their, you know in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the course of the, of, of the calculation and And if you think over time, particularly an organization that spans more than a decade or so, mm-hmm that kind of transformation is probably a recurring thing for organizations that last a long time the organization I'm talking about was over 60 years old.
0: So I was on the board of trustees of a university when they went into receivership. That's when I joined. Right. Uh, And a lot of our role was rewriting the bylaws, Mm -hmm. really looking, doing strategic planning, looking at how we reshaped the organization, in this case with the intent of being acquired. Sure. So... Transforming, knowing that we we could not sustain being a standalone organization, mm-hmm. and so as a board member, with specifically with the goal of shifting it, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like I've found myself on boards often at at the precipice of the tipping point, sure. as they are transforming, and the board role seems like it changes at that moment. Oh, absolutely. You're still fulfilling those three roles, but how it's executed looks yeah. very different when you're trying to spin an organization, mm. spin
2: it off, yeah. or my, have my, it acquire. Might, might I offer that the, that the first role of being the corporate conscience maybe overshadows all the other during this transformi- mm-hmm. transformative mm-hmm. period of time? Because... They're the you know the board member needs to be the one that continually challenges that says, does this support who we are? And that certainly
0: in the acquisition conversation, Mm -hmm. that that was a lot of what we came up with is, who would we be willing to be acquired by? Especially because there was a religious component to the university. Sure, we needed to. Be acquired by a nonprofit university, who would allow us to sustain certain elements, because our founder, because we were founded on certain principles.
2: Sure. And so, yeah, that that conscience piece yeah. was foundational. And, and, and oh, by the way, you know, during that transformative period, these second two roles mm-hmm. probably fade into the background a little bit until. You figure out what that top level, is this the right thing for the mm-hmm. right reason at the right time, uh, and, and do you have that value judgment that is, that is supportive of what your organization is or does, and then a- after that, you work on the business of who are your new stakeholders, you know, how will we ensure the financial relevancy mm-hmm. and long-term stability of the organization.
0: Yeah, at that moment, it was what's the short-term stability of right. the organization, and, right. and to your point, very much that conscience. We couldn't be acquired by anyone. Mm-hmm. We wanted to sustain the intent of the founders, sure. A- sure, And it was also a long-standing organization, so there there was a lot of history to be preserved.
2: Sure, and and again, when when organizations go through transformations like that, it is it is the element which which says. We're in survival mode oftentimes, so we got to make sure that corporate conscience works. That's a great point because when you're in survival mode, conscience seems like a luxury. Exactly. It,
0: and when people are losing jobs, conscience matters.
2: It does, it does. And that's where strong leadership is definitely required in the boardroom. Thank you
0: so much. We're going to go to break now. We'll come back to segment two and. Dale is going to then talk about uh, cybersecurity and how to use a SWOT analysis in a very different way to illuminate some of the cyber challenges and opportunities. So we'll be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com.
2: Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for
1: family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business.
2: Are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you did not.
1: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to innovative leaders driving thriving organizations to reach maureen metcalf or her guest today please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving
0: Thriving Organizations. Today we are joined with General Dale Myers, and he's going to be talking about how he's using the SWOT analysis differently, specifically focusing on cybersecurity. So let's start, Dale, with strengths.
2: Well, if if I could just set the context in a little broader, broader, okay, yeah, we're very (laughs) familiar with SWOT. Uh-huh. I mean, most businesses, whether they're profit, non-profit, very familiar SWOT, uh-huh. you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And, and typically, we'll be, we'll be in some kind of, of organizational setting in which we say, okay, now what, what are we good at? And we'll do some kind of analysis or whatever we'll come up with list. Oh, okay, so what are we weak in? And, and, and typically, we do that, and each, each quadrant of the SWOT analysis in and of itself, is usually done as a separate entity, and then it's put together. We kind of, you know, put some connective tissue around it. It makes up a, a plan. Could be a strategic plan, an annual plan, and you know, business mm-hmm. plan, whatever we want to do. And that's how we use SWOT. And, and, and in fact, I've used them with individual leaders as well. <clears throat> sure. A- oh, ab- absolutely. This is a self-assessment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's you know what's what's our SWOT? So. So I've come to the realization that there are certain things of strategic value to every organization.
0: Okay, so say more.
2: Okay, so, so that strate- those things of strategic value are things like our brand, our value proposition, leadership, leadership. And these are differentiators, it, right? It,
0: My company has a brand that differentiates and there's value in that. That's right. That I'm
2: protecting. That's right. Okay. And I, and I also put cybersecurity in that element of strategic things. Okay. Okay. So let's start with the strategic things that are important to us. Now, your company, your organization may have others, mm-hmm. but I'm listing the ones that I think are common to most organizations. Okay, and so if it's of strategic value, what's the strength of that strategic value? Okay. And and so so the outcome of all this is is there is going to be an element in each of the SWAT quadrants of this of each each strategic thing. Each strategic element.
0: So under strengths I would have brand value,
2: cybersecurity le- leadership and cybersecurity. Under weaknesses, You would have all the same ones. Under opportunities, all the same. Under threats. threats, all the same.
0: Okay. So why don't you walk us through the cybersecurity <laughs> example then, starting
2: with strengths. Sure. Uh, now, we don't often think of cybersecurity as a strength. You know, we often think of it as a threat. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you've got to be good at it.
0: And some organizations really are good at and it. And some
2: organizations
0: really are good at it. And some of those as a result of a breach
2: early on. Uh, some of those are the, are the result of the school of hard knocks. <laughs> 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 and, and, and we all suffer from that from, from time to time. But if your things of strategic value, such as cybersecurity, if you can't figure out how to create a strength or have that as a strength of your organization, then you're not capitalizing on it. You're, it's, it's not truly a strategic asset. So again, my, my, my thought process here is, is that things of strategic value ought to appear in every quadrant.
0: Okay, so can you give us a, a concrete example? I'm not asking for a company name. Sure. But, but think of an organization in your mind to remain nameless unless you want to tell us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the Myros Group. <laughs> okay, so, so the Myros Group. What, how is cybersecurity a strength for your company? Okay, it is a strength for my company because of of the people we have in the company are experts in the field. Okay. So that's a strength. And, in fact, they're international and nationally known, you know. So, so so there are a series of things, a lot of it having to do with knowledge or the human aspect of cybersecurity, and those are strength That ends up being strengths.
0: Okay, so say I run a small to medium-sized company and sure. I can't afford your expertise. Sure. Um, and I may not have nationally and internationally known guys. Sure. How do I, as a uh, mid-range company,
2: make cybersecurity a strength in practicality? Sure. Do you have a cybersecurity plan? See, okay. That that you know. Okay. You know, and that that could be a strength. I have one. And believe okay. it or not, just having one puts you in the top 25% of all organizations.
0: So at least I know what what my risks are and how how I might no, mitigate No, no, no.
2: This is a strength because this is a positive. You know, this is this right. is why you are good at fending off cybersecurity threats. You know, I have a good training program, I have a good plan, I have the right expertise. I, I have a monitoring issue. I, I have the following cybersecurity capabilities invested into my into my architecture. Those are all strengths.
0: Okay. When I said risks, I meant in the plan. Yeah. I've understood sure. in my plan.
2: Sure. Okay. So, so for but but you don't get into the plan when you're talking about the strengths. You're, the fact you're, that I have a plan. The fact a that strength. It ends up being a strength. Okay. Okay.
0: And it sounds like my architecture could be yep. a strength. Could
2: be a strength. <laughs> or exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you made a new investment or had a new program. You know, you, you know you've, something has changed that you've changed recently that now this is a positive for my corporation.
0: Okay. Cool. Got it. So, so as a mid-sized company, <clears throat> plan, training, architecture, some of the other Mon- Monitoring,
2: investments. I mean, okay. there are all kinds of ways to look at it
0: and and, and, those are and again
2: things that you can afford things that you can afford this okay. is this is stri- this is things of strategic value okay okay and so do how do those investments and things that you do mm-hmm. and, and see this is something that's so, that so that that I that I have uh, uh, a lot, lot of trouble getting people to realize cybersecurity is what you do not something that you have
0: Okay, so how I approach my work every day when I show up.
2: Yes, what I, you know, what your employees do, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, how trained are they at what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do, how mm-hmm. proficient are they in, in, in utilizing the tools that you've provided within the corporation. Uh, do, they un, do they understand the elements associated with, with uh, uh, you know, with, you know, personal's private information? hmm Cool.
0: That okay. makes
2: sense. See, and but we always think of cybersecurity in the negative way. You gotta think of it in the positive. Mm-hmm. Because you you've got you can't wait and react. You've got to go out and attack yourself. And okay. I don't mean attack, you know, but I mean attack the problem.
0: Okay. So so make cybersecurity a strength. Yes. So then how is it a weakness? How okay. can it be both a strength and a weakness?
2: Okay. All right. Again, so my plan's six months out of date. Okay. So I have one. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, or, or my my guy quit, my woman quit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a personnel change. Or you know, you know, or, or I've got a personnel change coming up.
0: And I haven't yet selected a And successor. I haven't yet
2: selected a successor. Or I've got an expertise gap. You know. Now that expertise mm-hmm. can be in anything, but you might have an expertise gap in, in cybersecurity. So so it's the things that you need to work on to make yourself better. Okay. So that, okay. that makes sense. And, oh, by the way, see, remember, we're still at the strategic area because cybersecurity is not a technical calculation or challenge. It's a human and leadership challenge. Okay, so say a little bit more about that, and then we'll go to opportunities. Sure. Okay, uh, there have been various studies, and I've seen the numbers all the way from sixty-two thirds percent to 90 percent of of data compromises, things that we call breaches, hacks, all those things we come, actually emanate from insider behavior. Inadvertent or intentional, mm-hmm. but it, it's insider behavior. Most, as in over 50% of all hacks, are a result of some social engineering or off of a web page. It is not a an evildoer overcoming your technology. It's them overcoming the insider behavior and working from the inside out. Most advanced persistent threats and current cybersecurity threats and how they manifest themselves are inside-out propositions, not outside-in propositions.
0: So this can be the disgruntled employee, as an example. And we think of the stuff going to WikiLeaks. Sure, sure. Those all came from inside, right? They
2: did. They did. As a, okay. ma- as a matter of fact, name any major compromise that's been in the news mm-hmm. for the past four or five years. They're all, they all came from the inside. That didn't mean that there weren't outsiders trying to exploit it, because most of the times they were. Mm-hmm. But they were all inside elements in which outsiders took the path of least resistance, which is the human one, not the mm-hmm. technical one. And then after they are inside, then they turn technical. Whether it's ransomware, malware, you know, exploiting mm-hmm. ex- exploitive mm-hmm. type technology or, or whatever, you know, in order to accomplish whatever theft or or whatever they wanted to do.
0: So now let's go to opportunities. How can cybersecurity, again holding to the premise that as a strategic advantage mm-hmm. or as a strategic element mm-hmm. is a strength and a weakness you've talked about, how is it an opportunity?
2: Okay, so I'm opening a new line of business or I'm I'm adjusting my uh, value proposition. You know, something is emerging. Uh-huh. It's emerging in the art of the possible of what I want to do of the corporation or it's emerging in the fear of the inedible as in there are new zero-day threats, there are new things that we have, you know. Uh, uh, type types of things we and so just in in terms of opportunities substitute the word emerging. Okay. Okay. So what's
0: emerging that I m- might be able to leverage That's for right. strategic advantage?
2: That's right. There's a technology disruption. Hmm. In my in my market space, there's you know something there there's a and or there's a process disruption or there's you know again. And, and as you process that and as you figure out how you're going to leverage that, if you don't have the ideas of leadership, brand, business value, and cybersecurity in the construction of that new opportunity, then in all likelihood, you've turned that, that opportunity into a vulnerability.
0: So, so again, let me give a concrete example, if I might. Um, we are offering a new certification program. And in that As I explore that new product offering, I need to think about how does that offering, how do I attend to brand cybersecurity and leadership when introducing it? Because if I don't attend to these key strategic elements, I I then fall into the risk column.
2: That's right. You have created a new supply chain. Okay. A new supply chain of talent, a new supply chain of maybe an investment or technology, a new supply chain of partners. A new, you know, so in, s-
0: in our certification, it it has an online component. Exactly. So cybersecurity will matter. Will matter as we're delivering services
2: online. Exactly, but then you know, and again, let's bring this up to the strategic element. Mm-hmm. I'm making the case for cybersecurity. I would I would say that that if you're worried about brand value proposition and leadership. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm equating all, all of those right, elements right. as a different way of creating my SWOT analysis for mm-hmm. my organization.
0: It, and I think that's what I was trying to say, is as I introduce <coughs> the new certification, I certainly think about how it impacts my brand. Yes. I did not think strategically about cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So that's a miss for me.
2: Well, I don't know that it's a miss. It's, it's something that I would offer makes your organization a better organization because it preserves things like brand it preserves things like that va- it preserves your competitive advantage it preserves who you are who you do it for what you do uh, and and all the other things that stem from business so now let's go to threats mm-hmm. okay now this might be the easiest for most people to figure out okay and the reason why they're going to it's easiest for most people to figure out is is because when you say the word cybersecurity, that's the, almost the first thing that comes in mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. there's a threat.
2: Yeah. And so I'm okay with all the things that normally come to mind with cybersecurity mm-hmm. op, uh, operating in this quadrant because they're mm-hmm. probably already there. If you've done a SWOT okay. analysis and, and you rely on, on virtual... Technology in order to deliver deliver service, create content, create intellectual property, or whatever, you've already got cybersecurity there, and, and okay, so okay. So
0: this is my Google Drive, even this, this is simple your Go- stuff.
2: That's right, that, and, and so so at least as a first blush, you, mm-hmm. most most organ, many organizations have already got cybersecurity well embedded in, in in the threat area. So I think the challenge is is okay. Since I've rethought how I view it as a strategic asset in the others, mm-hmm. does that change how this threat quadrant looks?
0: Okay, so again, what I hear is an alignment yes. across the quadrants. That's right. So, so if I do a SWAT, mm-hmm. I need to start with a blank sheet of paper and mm-hmm. just fill in on my SWAT. Yep. Cybersecurity and almost a same blank sheet of paper and fill in brand. Well, see,
2: I wouldn't start out with a blank sheet of paper. I'd start out with the quadrant, and I would I would have listed in each quadrant brand value value proposition leadership and cybersecurity. And so those four general topics in all four. Okay. And then make sure that 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 each is each is covered. So again, the first element, I'm I'm fairly confident that many organizations will feel like they've already got enough bullets and yeah. stuff in the under the under the threat quadrant but what i challenge you to do is go back and since it now shows up in the other quadrants make mm-hmm. sure that your alignment uh, uh has the focus of your organization and that was why i was saying blank sheet of paper and for
0: me that means a template sure and i put just Cybersecurity, So I can mm-hmm. look across the quadrants and right. make sure they're aligned. Right. And almost then a second worksheet to look at leadership, the that's thing right. I'm most focused on. Right. If my leaders are strong in one area, am I also capturing mm-hmm. and not getting <coughs> lost in all the other stuff sure. in the charts?
2: And, and I'm not saying with the SWOT analysis to erase all the things that we used to put in the four mm-hmm. quadrants. It's not what I'm saying. S-
0: yeah, same stuff still goes. S- yeah, yeah. The business, this is an ad.
2: Yeah, this this well, I, th- I consider it an ad. And a starting position, okay. And then the business of okay ex- execution, supply chains, you know, um, uh, you know, succession planning, and all those other things that we put in SWOT analysis. I'm not suggesting erasing those. I'm just suggesting taking a different starting place, and it, it and it ends up being additive to how you view your organization. I think that's a good call out that the SWOT hasn't gotten
0: abducted. Right. We're do it like many things, as the world gets more complex, yep. we're complexifying this tool also by adding another dimension of these strategic elements that carry through all of the quadrants in the SWOT analysis. We're providing
2: contents to make it more capable to be relevant to everything that happens in the organization of a strategic nature.
0: Okay. So we, as the leader it, it is more robust as I now use this to Plan my strategy.
2: And there's a strategy for doing the SWOT analysis, whereas most of us start with a blank sheet of paper and as, as ideas come out, we figure out which quadrant it goes in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so in this case, it goes in all. Yep. Cool. Thank you. So we're going to take a break now. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We are joined by Dr. Dale Myros. And this is Segment We have been talking about cybersecurity. After break, we're going to move into the discussion of leadership and leadership depreciation.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical.
0: How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to innovative leaders driving thriving organizations to reach maureen metcalf or her guests today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com now back to this week's program Hi, welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving
0: Thriving Organizations. We are in our third segment. We are joined by Dr. Dale Myers, and we're talking about leadership, SWOT analysis, cybersecurity, and how leaders depreciate and stay current. So I want to reconnect with the, the conversation about SWOT analysis that Dale teed up for cybersecurity and suggest that leadership is also an area that is of create strategic advantage for a company, that my leadership is different than someone else's and that by having the most effective leadership for our role, that can help differentiate our organization. So to Dale's point, I would do the same things I've always done in the SWOT analysis and carry forward the idea that brand cybersecurity, leadership, strategic advantage, those would carry through each quadrant. So an example of leadership as an advantage is we have a leadership development program. Uh, We have leaders who we assess annually and they are working to improve their leadership. A weakness could be we haven't yet addressed succession of a key leader or we haven't done enough to build the bench of our junior leaders. As an opportunity then, how might – if we take the the term emerging with what's emerging in our field – how might we need to change our leadership? And that ties directly into this idea of leadership depreciation, that our industry is changing. We need to, st- to ensure that our leaders stay current. And that could be education. It could be cross-training roles. It, it could be workshops. It could be assessments. And then the threat is, as these things are changing, if we don't address them as opportunities, then what's the risk we face? That our competitors are doing this, they are addressing the depreciation of their leaders, and if we're not, we, we could be overtaken. Because if, if we're not addressing the shortcomings of our leaders, we are, they are likely not addressing the other challenges they face. So I want to turn this back to Dale specifically as we're talking about how do our leaders stay current, I want you to answer, if you would, you have recreated yourself over your career. So you retired from the Air Force as a two-star general. Let's see if I can recount your career properly. (laughs) (laughs) Then you went to work for the White House. Then you went to work as an executive for Harris Corporation, and then you started your own company. One could argue that while there are commonalities across that broad career there are also some very distinct differences in how you manage and lead and oh yeah by the way you graduated from college a few years ago
2: so <laughs> some of the stuff you learned back there may not be quite
0: correct what'd you do
2: because you you seem to have a distinguished career well thank, thank you very much uh, I, I think it's the realization that things are constantly change and and uh, and when you're talking about leadership, uh, if, if you have the moral compass mm-hmm. and the moral authority to be a leader in, in organizations, there are several things that are incumbent upon you. And for me, it was a couple of realizations that while I went through a 30-plus year military career, the elements of warfare changed. You know, pre-desert storm, post-desert storm, precision strike, unmanned aerial uh, aircraft, you know, all all of those kinds of you know technology changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the country wanted to do changed. Our some of our foes, enemies, alliances, all of, all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. things were changing changing all the time. And so I, I realized that, you know, I, I got uh, I got my economics degree, in the mid 70s. I got mine in the mid 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so so it's uh, it's the element of that probably laid the foundation and prepared me for the next 20, maybe 25 years. But it was a foundation. And it, and, and, and it, does, it does have a sell-by date, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you think about it. And it's called change. Well, and also as you moved up the ranks... What you learned in college yeah.
0: didn't, didn't quite es- help you be a general. Yeah,
2: yeah. At least it, we exactly. hope you
0: learned something along yeah.
2: the way. What, what, I, what I used to tell young officers you know, when, when I reached the senior ranks is, is I'm not qualified to be a second lieutenant. And the reason I'm not qualified to be a second lieutenant is because my education mm-hmm. was for a different time. And their education is now for a new time. And, oh, by the way, their education will also get a sell-by date. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of mm-hmm. use the grocery term sell-by yeah. date. And I think everybody under, understands what, what that means.
0: And I call that depreciating, that the way I lead now, because, mm-hmm. as you said, our foes have changed, our technology has changed. I can't be leading like it's 1972.
2: Yeah. No. Well, services change how we deal with, how we deal with employees, uh, mass communication, the information age, the virtual age, the cyber, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want to call all, all of these things. Uh, when I was in the military, for the last 15 years of my career, I had a training program, at least one training program or classroom experience every year for the last 15 years of my military career. And that wasn't, you popped in one day for sexual harassment training? No, no. I'm, I'm talking about the, the Air Force sent me to a school, to a course. I enrolled in a school, in a course. And uh, uh, so, so for the last 15 years, as a matter of fact, for the entire time that I was a senior officer,
0: okay.
2: I, I had some sort of training experience documented, formal, every year of my last 15 years. And so that sort of set up a
0: pattern,
2: mm-hmm. you know, for for me. And and uh, and again, if if you look at things I did, uh, I, I went to several uh, leadership continuing education programs offered by some of the top universities in the country. I went to a, mm-hmm. to a two of them at Harvard. I went to one to one at University of, of Virginia, and I went to one at Ca- uh, California Berkeley. Uh, and and so. Uh, you know, maybe not. That's not relevant to what to, mm-hmm. to what other people or listeners are, are thinking about. Maybe it's certifications. Mm-hmm. See, so I'm talking about education, continuing education, and training. That was applicable for what I was doing, particularly as a senior officer. Maybe if maybe if I'm younger in my career, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really talking about. It's not time for me to do those kinds of things. But it's time for me to do things like certifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or something like that. The other thing that I think that people uh, don't take into account properly is the role that coaching and mentoring can take place in this business of develop, you know continually in not only reinventing yourself but continuing to develop not mm-hmm. only as a leader an expert developing in your in your career field, your market sector, mm-hmm. your company Pick your context or mm-hmm. your parameters that you know that, that you're talking about, and as and as you know, because uh, you because you're in this business, uh, uh, coaching and mentoring is not necessarily in training. They're not all the same thing.
0: Now, in fact, I, they're very distinct, different things. They,
2: they may have some pieces that overlap yep. Yep. Here, here and there, but they're very distinct. And, and and the thing that that many people, particularly mid-year people don't realize is, is that they're responsible for their own success.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've worked with, you know, we talk about the change in social contract and mm-hmm. moral obligations. Mm-hmm. And at this point in history, I am my product.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: I can't look to you, even though you might happen to be my boss, to make sure I'm employable five years from now. Mm-hmm as much as w- many people will get twitchy about that yep it, the, the truth is we i personally have seen too many people laid off mm-hmm. who are good hard working people whose skills have depreciated Exa- exactly and um, that's that is one of the fundamental reasons I took up this direction in the company. Mm -hmm. So we have an article that just came out in Forbes talking about how leaders depreciate. I can point to people that I worked with, that I respected, and that I cared about, and then they didn't work there anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to watch people that... we we think deserve good in the world and yet they are not taking ownership like they need to
2: Yeah, exactly and taking that ownership is is really important and leaders take ownership accountability and responsibility for themselves and their people for themselves and their people and if you don't do that then I think you're falling short of what you need to be probably as a leader and if I have a leader
0: that does take responsibility for me Mm -hmm. It's my job. Yes, it is. I
2: can't I can't delegate that up to my boss. Exactly. I, exactly. You have to be accountable for you know, if you're if you're a leader, you mm-hmm. understand the el- the elements of accountability. And and again, as you know, you can hire a coach. Mhm. Okay? And, and and that's very helpful. Uh, but what a lot of a lot of folks get a little confused on mentoring. Mhm. I probably have had 5000 mentors in my life. I selected every one of them, and many of them didn't know that I selected them as a mentor. Mm-hmm. But they were people who did something that 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 I thought worth emulating, and mm-hmm. I stayed close enough, asked questions, learned from them, and they became a mentor of mine. Even though, and I had people who you know coming up, you know coming mm-hmm. from down, who mm-hmm. said, you know, I'd like to mentor. Mentoring is a relationship, and, and we it, build those, and we build those both from the bottom-up or the top-down.
0: Okay, so, Dale, thank you. There's so much that I, I probably can't summarize everything you've said or everything <laughs> we've talked about. So so the highlights. Will you give us,
2: again, your three roles of boards? Sure. The corporate conscience of, of, of the organization, guardian of the corporation's well-being over the long term, and stockholder or stakeholder advocacy.
0: Great, thank you. The second... Segment, then we focused on the SWOT analysis and how it has changed over time and how we can use the SWOT. Each quadrant should contain core elements such as brand cybersecurity, leadership. There may be some others that would be key to your business. So, as an example, supply chain may be key for Walmart. Yes. So, so not that this is the list, but it is a list that's That is imperative. concluding
2: all strategic aspects in all four quadrants.
0: Cool. And then the third segment, we talked about leaders depreciating, and again, Dale gave A beautiful example of how he remained current and differentiated based on his education. And then the recommendations for folks, because not everyone can afford to go back to school. So workbooks, certifications are, are quite available right now. Continuing education in many cases is relatively inexpensive. Workbooks, online courses, mentors, absolutely. Find someone who's doing it well and work with them if if we can create formal mentoring relationships that's great if not create uh, opportunities where i can learn in some cases it means i shadow or i do uh, enriching opportunities taking a a stretch assignment
2: the key is is taking responsibility and accountability the organization will not make you a leader you make yourself a leader Thank you. So with that, what I would suggest is as
0: we're closing, one, if you want to reach us, email to info at Metcalf-Associates.com. If you've got questions for either Dale or I, you can go on to our Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. And think about what you heard today that you can put into practice in your business life. Thank you for joining
1: us.